0: Good to, uh, good to see you all. Good to uh, be here. As uh, Stan mentioned, this is um, just such an honor and a, such a privilege to, to share the word. Uh, Stan joked about being overshadowed by my daughter. Um, uh, my birthday is February 3rd. Her birthday is February 5th. Um, she starts dreaming about her birthday um, in July prior to the February 5th, and I tell her that she can only start talking about her birthday after mine, which, um, which never happens, but... Uh, uh, just th- thank you so much for the way that we have been received this weekend. Is that me? Okay. Um, thank you for the way that we've been received this weekend. We've, we've just been so, so warmly received by each and every one of you. Um, we were able to connect with the eldership team on Thursday, and then we did some training on Saturday morning, and, and then here this morning, which, which was just such a highlight, it really was. And um, we've, we've, we, we've had three weekends ministering in South Africa, and I can honestly say this has just been off the charts. Um, just the heart connection, we feel so loved, so refreshed, so, so wonderfully received, and I want to thank, thank you all. Thank you to Stan and Heather and the eldership team for allowing us to minister um, here tonight. So um, and I'm going to ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, this morning I spoke about um, a, a characteristic of God, God's faithfulness, And this evening I want to speak about another characteristic of God, the holiness of God. And I'm going to be doing that from a a passage of the Bible that I'm sure if you've been serving the Lord for any length of time, you're probably very familiar with. This passage in Isaiah 6 where Isaiah has this incredible revelation of the holiness of God. And uh, as we were worshiping tonight, I I was very intrigued and excited with the way the prophetic ministry was going. Um, I, I just loved what Stan said, what Christian said about um, a God wanting to get us unstuck. God wanting to, God wanting to do something. I think, I think um, w- as was so wonderfully shared. I think we often take it upon ourselves to, 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 to. to um, or we, we, I think there are times when we, when we take ourselves by the by the shirt collar and we kind of, I need to make this happen. I need to get myself to the next level. I, I need to, you know, make sure that I don't slip back into the sinful habits that I've been struggling with. And and what I what I just sensed in worship is is as we get a revelation of Jesus, as we fix our eyes on Him, as I spoke about this morning, but to, tonight, as we as we get a revelation of the holiness of God, as we see the Lord for who He is, I, I believe that's where the the power, the authority. The, the, the supernatural um, impartation comes for the breakthrough that we're trusting for. And we look back and we realize it's actually in doing less that more is achieved. Yeah. It's, it's in surrendering that breakthrough comes. Yeah. And it's counterintuitive because we assume it's, in, we assume it's in self-effort. We assume it's in doing more that more happens. But actually it's in surrendering more. It's in actually opening our hands to the Lord that that, that breakthrough actually comes. And and that's what I want to uh, hopefully trust to see the Lord do tonight, that my, my prayer for you, for us tonight, yes, there's going to be some application, but my prayer is that we would see the Lord for who He is, that we would see Jesus tonight for, for who He is. There's, a, there's a, a lot of really significant verses, particularly in the, in the New Testament, that deal with the holiness of God kind of drop the mark worthy verses. Let me read a couple. Don't turn there. Let me read a couple. First Peter chapter 1 says, "But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy." Matthew chapter 5, "Be perfect. This is Jesus. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect." I mean, that's what the Bible teaches. You know, be 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 perfect in the same way that your heavenly Father is perfect. I mean, how on earth do we relate to a God who is as holy as the God as we know God to be? And how on earth do we be holy or be perfect in the same way that He is? I mean, those, those are challenging verses. Those are, those are verses when, I don't know about you, but when I come across those verses, I tend to move on to the very next one because I actually don't know what to do with verses like that. I think sometimes when we, when we hear of this, uh, um, this, 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 this word, holiness, and we, we begin to dig into the reality of God being holy and His call to us to be holy, I think we can respond in a number of different ways. For Some people here, I think the idea of holiness uh, can release condemnation over us. We want to be holy. We want to uh, uh, be like our Heavenly Father. We love God, and we want to show Him that we love Him. But we know that every time we try, we fall short of what we know God's mark to be. And I think holiness, this idea of holiness, can can hang over us like a dark cloud. I think some others of us, perhaps, when you hear of this idea of of holiness, you, you become indifferent to it. You read uh, Matthew 5 or First Peter chapter 1, and you're like, you know what? Holiness is so Old Testament. You know, it's so yesterday. We don't, we don't need to worry about holiness. We're under grace. We're under the goodness of God. We don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. So holiness isn't like a dark cloud, but for some of us, holiness, we, we push behind us. Some of us here tonight actually don't know what to think. We, we, we're confused, and, and I hope tonight to, to help us at least take a, the first couple of steps towards understanding how do we respond to this God who is holy, and how do we become holy like He is. I want to start tonight by, by reading to you some, some words that I've put together to describe, not define, but describe the holiness of God. So what I want to ask you to do is, if you wouldn't mind just, just uh, perhaps putting down your, your journals for a moment on your lap and closing your eyes. And, and the, the point here is not to write down words or not to write down a definition, but I want you to, to catch the heart of, of what I believe the Bible teaches holiness is. It's a fairly lengthy uh, a few paragraphs that I've, that I've written, but let's trust for the Spirit of God to minister to us, even as we, as we read through this. Holiness is distinction. Holiness is otherness and separation. Not separation from the world, but separation from impurity and separation for God. Holiness is Christ-likeness. It is openness, it is joy, and it is dedication to Jesus. Holiness is not legalism. It's not severity or harshness or exclusiveness. Holiness is refusing to be defensive or envious or jealous or vindictive or irritated or self centered. Holiness is freedom from selfish ambition, freedom from manipulation, freedom from pride, and freedom from self exhortation. Holiness is the assurance of salvation. It is the confidence we have in God and in His Word and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Holiness is fresh obedience every day, a daily openness to God, a daily obedience to the Holy Spirit, and a daily graciousness towards ourselves and towards each other. Holiness is endurance in trial. It is standing on His Word no matter what we're going through. It is trusting God for tomorrow. It is the freedom from introspection and the enjoyment of being led by the Spirit into the will of God. Holiness is the freedom from ritual, from legalism and guilt, and the freedom for glorifying God daily and living constantly in His presence. Holiness is transparency. It is ease. It is fearlessness and living without a clear, and living with a clear conscience before God and before each other. Holiness is patience. It's a willingness to submit to God and allow Him to bless us in His time and in His way, without panicking. Holiness is loving people and loving God. That's, a, that's some words that I put together that describe the, the holiness of God. And that, I mean, we're, we're, you know, when I, when I write that, when I read that, I think to myself, I want to be that way, but, but how? And, and, and maybe that's the question you're asking yourself tonight. That's a good question to ask, because it's the same question Isaiah asked as he got this revelation of the holiness of God. So we're going to jump into Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to work our way through uh, six or seven verses that, that describe Isaiah, or Isaiah, sorry, Isaiah's response to, to the, this, the holiness of God. And and then we're going to ask ourselves, what, what do we do? How do we take some practical steps to, to ensure that the holiness that, that we have because of our position in Jesus, how does that begin to outwork itself? And so in verse one, it starts off. It says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. What's so significant about that first verse is that Isaiah contextualizes his, his, his encounter with God. He contextualizes his revelation of the holiness of God. He puts it in the context of the death of, a, of the king of Israel. Now now, if you are familiar with your Old Testament, you will know that when you read First and Second Samuel or First and Second Kings, every single event that happens in the nation of Israel is contextualized within the, within the reign of an of an earthly king. But what Isaiah is doing is he's saying the year King Uzziah died, this king, King Uzziah was one of Israel's greatest kings. He was, in terms of, of human perception, he was the sure thing. He was the sure thing. He was one of Israel's few kings who actually did what was asked of him by the Lord. And now this king dies. Maybe, I want you to just think for a moment how Israel must have felt when this certain, this, this, this sure bet, this king who was doing what was righteous in the eyes of the Lord died. Think of how Isaiah must have felt. Maybe it's how you feel when, when, when what you are so certain of taking place doesn't happen. Isaiah puts that uncertainty within the context of a revelation of of the king. He says, a revelation of God. In the year King Uzziah died, in the year of such uncertainty, in the year of such fear, in the year of of being so overwhelmed, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And he goes on to describe how he sees the Lord. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on the throne. And, and, and what Isaiah begins to do, starting in verse 1, is he begins to show us the incredible distinction between God and between us. God is exalted and we're not. God is glorified and we're anything but. God is all-sufficient. We are completely insufficient. God is higher and exalted. We are, we are here on earth. God reigns and lives forever. We have a finite time here on earth. We spend our lives running here, there, and everywhere to, dry, to try and bring order and control to our world. And the God who holds the universe together is seated in authority on His throne. You need to hear that tonight, friends. Your situation and your circumstance, which you are trying to control. And if you're anything like me, I spend far too much time trying to get my hands on situations so that I can bring control to them. Running myself tired and running myself exhausted. My God, who who holds the universe in the palm of His hand, who knows every single hair on my head and yours as well who knows the stars by name, who knows when a, when a lowly swallow dies, that God, that King, is seated on the throne. Not seated because of indifference. Not seated because He's not concerned about your life. No, seated because He is sovereign. Seated because He is in control. Seated because He knows exactly what you are going through and He is with you through it. We need to remember that and fix our eyes on Him. And in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of His robe filled the the temple. As we walk through these verses, I want you to allow yourself to to paint a picture in your imagination, in your mind's eye of this this incredible encounter Isaiah had. I believe Drew is from Texas, am I right? Drew and Megan from Texas. So you'll know this, but in America, everything is bigger in Texas. I mean, that's the, that's the saying. Everything is bigger in Texas. And, and it truly is. I mean, it absolutely is. Football stadiums are the biggest football stadium in the country. And, and everything, the, probably the biggest, I think the biggest church is actually in Texas, no doubt. Your parents are part of it, I believe. There you go. You see, everything is bigger in Texas. We had uh, a friend uh, who was part of our church. And uh, she was from Dallas, uh, Dallas, Texas, and she had a wedding, which was a true Texan wedding, at a fancy country club in in Dallas. Uh, beautiful dress, and she had thirteen or fourteen bridesmaids, and thirteen or and the the guy had thirteen or fourteen groomsmen. about four five hundred people at this wedding. I mean, Meghan Markle, you know, the royal wedding. I mean. It, this put that wedding to absolute shame. And, and, and Jacqueline, our friend, had this train that was about 12 to 14 feet long. I mean, it was, the train of her wedding dress was so long that when they started, the couple started walking down the aisle, it took them halfway through the aisle before they realized that the pastor was standing on the end of her train and her head was yanked back. But I mean, that's how long her train, the train of her wedding dress was. Isaiah sees something far more spectacular, far more glorious. He sees the Lord high and exalted, seated on his throne, and, and the train of the robe that, that, that God is wearing is absolutely filling the temple with glory and with splendor. Above him, verse 2, above the Lord on his throne were, were seraphim. Seraphim are, are angels of light, angels radiating fire and radiating light. Uh, uh, each of them had six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That song that we sang earlier on, we were joining with angels and seraphim and and people from every tribe and every nation who are gathered before the throne of God right now. We were joining with them, declaring the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. At the, at the, at the declaration of, of the character, of the, at the declaration of the nature of God, the temple, the, the thresholds, the foundations of the temple shook. Think about that. This weekend in Chicago is actually one of our favorite weekends of the year, which we are missing because we want to be here. But our favorite weekend in Chicago is what they call the Air and Water Show. And a million people, literally a million people, come in from the suburbs and and the city, and they line the the miles of beaches that are in Chicago. And and they have these incredible uh, uh, displays, uh, uh, different um, airplanes flying around the city and, and one of the, the, the big events is they have an F-16, which flies through the city or over the city, and they have uh, the, the, the Blue Angels, which is a, which is a Navy kind of a fleet of, of aircraft, and they fly over the city, and it's amazing. We go up onto our rooftop deck, and, and we watch this incredible display. But when these, when these Blue Angels fly over our house, I kid you not, the very foundation of our condo building begins to shake how much more of that happens when the angels, the seraphim, these angels of light are declaring the, the holiness of God. And these angels of, of such incredible beauty and such incredible splendor, let me tell you, these angels are sinless. They, 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 they were created without sin. They haven't sinned. And yet with, with two wings, they covered their eyes because they're not worthy to look upon God. With two wings, they cover their feet because they're not worthy to stand in the presence of God. Friends, this is the God that you and I worship and serve. This is the God that you and I have surrendered our lives to, the God who is so holy and so wonderful. That's, and, and that song that they, are, that they are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of His glory. There is nothing like a South African sunset or sunrise. We drove from Belito this evening on the way to church, and and on our right-hand side, we we drove past Mshloti and that lagoon and and saw the sun just setting over over the horizon. What a glorious sight. You know what that sunset declares? The glory of God. You look at a newborn baby. You know what that newborn baby declares? You know that newborn baby is actually saying glory glory to the Lord you look at a flower what is that declaring glory you look at anything around this world something of beauty what is it declaring the glory of God scientists look in telescopes and look in microscopes and what does it declare the glory of our Lord having seen God's holiness having seen God's magnificence having seen God's splendor It's no wonder that Isaiah responds like he does in verse 5. Woe is me, I cried. I'm ruined. What he's actually saying is, I'm I'm having this revelation of the holiness of God, and I realize that I'm not holy. Do you have those moments where you have a revelation of the goodness and glory of God, maybe in worship or maybe as you're reading the Word, and you suddenly come face to face with the reality of your own inadequacy? That's what's happening with Isaiah right now. I am I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the Lord Almighty. Who is worthy to behold this king? Who is worthy to behold this God? Let me tell you, no one preaching this message. No one listening to this message. No one reading Isaiah chapter 6, but the good news is Isaiah chapter 6 doesn't end there and neither does, the, does it for us when we come face to face with the reality of God's holiness and our inadequacy. It's so good to know that it's actually God who is sinless, who steps down from heaven in, in, in Jesus and, 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 and uh, 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 fills in the gap between the reality of our sinfulness and His sinlessness. And he does so through a sacrifice that is made and a price that is paid, once and for all. And we see that just beautifully pictured in verse 6 and 7. Uh, uh, then one of the seraphim, one of these angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. This was the altar of sacrifice. The, the Israelites would, would have an altar where they would sacrifice an animal time after time after time to to, separ- to, to pay the price for sin and to ensure that they were able to have relationship with God. It's obviously pointing to the cross. With it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And this is a beautiful kind of foreshadowing of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. The reality that Jesus bore on the cross that our sin, our shame, and our sickness... And the sin and shame and sickness of everyone who will put their faith in Him. The wrath, the justifiable wrath of God against sin was placed upon His Son, Jesus. And then when we put our faith in Him, when we, when we surrender our hearts and receive the free gift that is Jesus Christ into our hearts, we have relationship with God, our Father, forever. And I absolutely love verse 8. Look at the consequence of of Isaiah's sin being atoned for through that coal. Look at the consequence. It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord. Intimacy, closeness. We begin to hear the, the voice of the Father saying, look at me. When we are panicked, when we are running around trying to control those things, as Christian said, the Father is grabbing us by the, by, by the face and saying, look at me, I'm here, I'm with you. Why do we have that intimacy? We have that intimacy because of the price that Jesus has paid on the cross, not a price that has to happen time and time again, but the price that has been paid once and for all. When you and I put our faith in Jesus, two things theologically happen to us. We are justified. We are declared righteousness, not, a, not a, an, an innocence or a righteousness that is earned, but an innocence and a righteousness that is imputed to us because of the, of the righteousness of Jesus. But I can, be de- I can be declared innocent, but the question still remains, am I loved? And that's why the second word, the second thing that happens to us is not only are we justified, but we are adopted into the family of God. God is pleased to call us Father, as that beautiful picture said, God loves the fact that we are His children. Having a, an, an earthly father, every one of us has an earthly father. I know that, 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 that conjures up a range of responses. No matter how good your earthly father is, and I trust that my kids are saying, yes, I have a good earthly father. No matter how good your earthly father is, He still pales into insignificance compared to our heavenly Father, who is, who is forever patient. Slow to anger, abounding in love. There is a big difference between our heavenly father and our earthly fathers. I say something that our heavenly father says, and it sounds very different when I say it. Ask me again is something that my father in heaven can say, but when I ask my kids to say, when I say to my kids, ask me again, it doesn't come with the same grace that my heavenly father declares those things. That's how good our Heavenly Father is. We are, we are justified. We are adopted. We are, we are placed in Jesus. The, and, 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 it, it says in Colossians that, that I am in Christ, and Christ is in me when I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The holiness of God takes up residence in my heart. But the question has to be asked, how does the, the holiness of God that has taken up residence in my heart, how does that begin to outwork itself? You see, God doesn't want us just to have a holiness or a righteousness that is within us. He wants that holiness or that righteousness to begin to outwork itself through the lives that we live. And that's what I want to spend the last five or ten minutes speaking about. We've got this revelation of God who is holy. We've been asking the question, how do we relate to this God who is holy? It comes through the sacrifice that Jesus has made. Jesus takes up residence in our heart. But how do we become the people that we already are? When I said yes to my wife and I became a husband, I was, I, I was a husband. But how many, of you, how many of you know, over 25 years, I've become more of the husband that I already was on the day that I said yes. And that's what God has for us. We are, we are saved. We are set free. We are believers. We are sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. But God wants us to become experientially... Who we already are positionally. Four things that I want to speak about. Firstly, number one, four things on how we become who we already are. How we ensure that the holiness that is within us makes itself out, makes its way out. Number one, our position determines our practice. Our position determines our practice. Our position defines the way we live. I had an encounter, a wonderful encounter, with an, uh, uh, um, with an airline uh, um, a person who was checking me in once, many years ago. Before I was in ministry, uh, I, I, we lived in Mpangani, I worked for a chemical company, AECR, and had the privilege of traveling around the world extensively, four or five times a year, seven or eight years in a row, I traveled with the same airline, and so became a, a, a platinum member or whatever, which com- came with perks. And I remember the first time that my position changed or was upgraded. I was in Mexico City. I was flying back to Johannesburg via uh, uh, London, and I walked up to the check in and clerk, and I, and I gave them my ticket, and they said, Mr. Sudworth, these words were like angels' voices. Mr. Sudworth, you will be pleased to know that we have seated you in first class. I mean, let me tell you, no one in Empire gets seated in first class. (laughs) Mr. Sudworth, we have seated you in first class. I didn't stop them and say, wait a minute, I'm not seated in first class yet. No, I knew what was coming. There was something certain that that was in my future. And because of the certainty of what was coming, my life changed for that next hour. My shoulders were back. My head was high. I began to speak with an English accent like Helen does because that's what first class people do. I used words like preposterous and inconceivable because I had to change my vocabulary. My first class ticket was 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 so obnoxiously in my pocket but for all to see that I was actually in first class. The certainty of what was to come changed the way that I lived. And friends, you need to hear tonight. You and I all need to hear tonight. We are seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We are not there yet, but the certainty is guaranteed. We will be there. And we need to ensure that our position in Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, changes the way that we live. How does the holiness of God find its way out? Number one, the position that we have in Jesus determines our practice but now we need to kind of add some more uh, one or two other steps one or two other things to that I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3 real quickly Colossians chapter 3 verse essentially verse 1 through 10 when you go home tonight or tomorrow morning read those first 10 verses but I'm just going to pull out a couple of of highlights how does that how do we become who we already are number one our position determines our practice number two We need to set our hearts and minds on things above. Let's read verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. There's your position. You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why? For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Can I just step aside and just draw your attention to that, that statement? Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's the certainty of your and my salvation. Your life is hidden in Christ and Christ is in God. Jesus is not falling out of heaven and I'm in Christ. That's the certainty of our salvation. That's the certainty of our salvation. But I want you to notice what verse 1 and 2 says. How do we become who we already are? We need to set our hearts and minds on things above. We have a new home. Our home is not Durban, South Africa. Our home is not Chicago, Illinois. Our home is in heaven, and we need to set our minds on our new home. We took on American citizenship about four years ago. That, the, 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 the fact that we have an American passport will ensure that when we get home to Chicago in, in seven or eight or ten days from now, we will come into the arrival hall of O'Hare Airport, and there will be tons of people queuing and, uh, and uh, non, non-U.S. citizens, and we will proudly be able to walk up to the U.S. citizenship section. Inevitably, there will be a line, because there always is, and we'll stand talking to the people around us, and they'll begin to hear our accents, and they'll think to themselves, you don't sound very American. And maybe even if the line is going on, we might have to parent our kids, uh, our young son, for, for a moment. And, and my daughter's shaking her head. You don't have to parent be Dad. <laughs> uh, um, but but there'll, there'll be some time where people will observe how we behave. And they might think to themselves, you're not acting very American. But when I walk up to the immigration official, what gets me into the country is not my behavior. It's not the way I sound. It's the certainty of the legal document that's in my hand. Friends, what gets us into the presence of the Father is not how we sound or the way we live, although as I'm showing us, we need to grow in our righteousness. But what gets us into the presence of the Father is not how we sound or how we behave, but the legal reality that we are in Jesus and we are received by the Father off the back of who Jesus is. But I am becoming more of the American citizen that I already am. We don't walk on uh, on pavements any longer. We walk on sidewalks. We don't push babies in prams. We push them in strollers. They don't suck on dummies, they suck on pacifiers. We don't stop at red robots. We stop at traffic lights. We don't in our house have pot plants. We have potted plants, and I'll let you think about the reality of of that one. You see, we are becoming more of the people that we already are, more of the American citizens that we are, and it is true for you and I in Christ. When we begin to set our hearts on things above and set our minds on things above, we begin to transform our thinking according to the Word of God, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we begin to change outwardly. It's a process. It takes time but we're becoming who we already are. How do we ensure the righteousness, the holiness of God that is within us begins to work its way out? Our position determines our practice. Secondly, set our hearts and minds on things above. Thirdly, let's jump down if we can to verse 5. Paul goes on, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. The third way that we become who we already are is we need to put to death the old way of thinking. We have South African friends who live in America, who live in Chicago, and they constantly order fillet steak instead of filet, and they always order uh, water from the tap and not the faucet, and then they get annoyed with the server when the server doesn't understand what they're saying. The point I'm trying to make is they are going back to the old way of thinking, even though they have a new home. And I want to say, friends, we need to put to death the old way of living, although living in South Africa is not, the, is not something to be put. You, you get the illustration. <laughs> you know that the Americans spend over a billion dollars every year on Halloween costumes. A billion dollars dressing up as dead people. And I think sometimes as Christians, we do pretty much the same. We clothe ourselves constantly with the old person who we once were. And I want to say we need to put to death who we once were and fix our eyes on the reality of who we are now in Jesus Christ. They say the pig always goes back to mud. We are not those pigs any longer. We are a new creation in God. Titus chapter 2 says it is the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And can I suggest the most important word in that verse is the word teachers? Because teaching is a process of learning who we are now. It's adjusting to the reality of our new home. Think of of the change of, of time. Chicago is seven hours behind. If we arrived in, a, in, 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 in Durban and refused to change our watch, we would be seven hours late for everything. No, what did we do? We adjusted our watch, and over time, our bodies began to catch up to the reality of where we now were. That's what we need to do. By, 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 by focusing our thoughts and our minds on things above and putting to death the old way of living how do we become who we already are? Position determines practice. Fix our hearts and minds on things above. Put to death the old way of living. And then the last point I want to suggest is simply this. When we fall short, because we will, when we fall short, it is God's kindness that comes after us and draws us to Repentance. So many of us, including myself, make the mistake of thinking that when we fall short, when we sin, a little bit of guilt and a little bit of condemnation is a good thing. And I want to say no in Jesus' name. Guilt and condemnation will never arrest our hearts and pull us out of the sinful patterns that we have developed. It is the goodness of God. It is the mercy of God. It is the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. When I, when I break the law, oh, oh, gee, if I break the law, if I break the law, if, 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 capital I, capital F, if I break the law in Chicago, the South African police are not coming after me because I'm no longer a citizen of this nation. When I fall short of God's word, it's not the law, it's not guilt and shame that come after me, It's the righteousness of God. It's the goodness of God. It's the grace of God that grabs me and picks me up and and speaks worth and value and identity into me and reminds me of whose I am and where I am. And can I suggest, that's why we need one another. That's why we need community. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need the leading of the Spirit to remind us whose we are, and where we are. How do we become who we are? How do we become the holy people that God wants us to be? Position determines practice. Set your hearts and minds on your new home in heaven. Put to death the old way of living. And when you fall short, allow the goodness of God. Allow the grace and the righteousness of God to come after you in Jesus' name. Let's close in prayer, and let's trust for God to just continue to massage his, what, what He's been doing all night. God's been speaking all night to us. God's been, God's been ministering to us all night. Father, we, we thank You. We thank You for, for Your holiness. I ask, Lord, for every single one of us here, including myself, that the eyes of our hearts would be opened, that we would see you for who you truly are, that we wouldn't be afraid of your holiness, Lord, that we wouldn't be overwhelmed by your holiness, Lord, that we would be amazed by your glory and your holiness, that we would know, Lord God, that you are wanting to reveal your holiness to us so that our hearts might be arrested And drawn to you. And that we might be holy just as you are holy. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Would you open the eyes of our hearts? Would you open the eyes of our hearts? May we see you tonight, Jesus, in ways we've never seen you before. Thank you, Father, that you are wanting to to arrest some of us tonight and set us free from some of those things that we have constantly struggled with. Just sense that God wants us to just surrender to him tonight, especially those of us who have, have tried so hard in our own strength to, to, to shake off sin or to or to make things happen as we trust to step into the inheritance God that God has for us. And I just sense God wants us to open our hands as a as, as a demonstration of surrender tonight. If that's you, just even as where you're seated, maybe you can simply do that. Just open your hands. And and just maybe it's maybe invite you to just say something along the lines of Lord I surrender Lord I surrender forgive me Lord where I've tried in my own strength forgive me Lord where this has been a burden that that I've been carrying for too long tonight Lord I surrender tonight Lord God I I surrender I don't want to do this in my own strength anymore Lord I've tried for too long. Tonight, I surrender. You are holy. May I become, may I, may, may I find breakthrough so that I, so that I can live in the way that you're wanting me to live, becoming the person that I am already in you. I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord. Father, I pray for freedom tonight. Father, I pray for freedom tonight. I pray for breakthrough tonight, Lord God. I pray for cycles of sin to be broken tonight in Jesus' name. I pray release your freedom. It is for freedom's sake that you came, Jesus. You came to set us free, not to be bound again by by religion or anything like that. Lord, tonight we want to trust for total freedom. We want to trust, Lord God, that things that have been holding us back for years, Lord God, would be broken tonight in Jesus name your word says Lord where we are weak your power is made perfect we acknowledge we are weak we want to trust for perfect power where we are weak your word says your power is perfected Lord would you perfect your power in us would you release perfect power in us Lord God where we surrender where we lay down areas in our lives, we trust, Lord God, for the power of the Holy Spirit to release resurrection life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.